Well, what a blessing again to be uh, together uh, again and to open God's Word. I wanted to just stop for just a second as we begin our, to re-enter uh, the story of Exodus and hit an announcement I really wanted to remind you of earlier and forgot. And that was, that was um, I want to just invite you to an adventure um, over these coming weeks and, and these coming uh, months. Um, for whatever reason, God has blessed what you prayed for uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and um, the Church of Jesus Christ in the city of Evansville is getting together, uh, and and uh, people are offering their gifts, and they are they are committing themselves to pray in the month of February for our entire city by name, and and it's so exciting to see that come together, and and, and that's a direct result of your prayers a couple of weeks ago. I asked, and you were faithful and you did and God raised up people to do that during the month of November and December we're going to move from the 60 that I asked you for a couple of weeks ago we're going to move to 600 we're going to ask God for 600 prayer champions who will uh, prepare our city um, to pray for one another during the month of February but I wanted to invite you so please pray with me for those 600 in the month of November and December but I want to invite you um, to feather in with me uh, to deepen your experience of prayer over these coming months as well. And here's where we're going to go over the next months with ever-expanding uh, circles of influence. I'm going to invite you to pray. And I want to invite you this month of November to particularly pray for your nuclear family. Is that okay? Now, you, everyone's family is different, and so you know who those people are. But I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting that you keep this down to a small number. Of people, I currently have nine in my nuclear family, and so um, I, I'm going to pray for those nine every day um, in the month of November. Okay, some of you are going to do no shave November, right? Um, do prayer November instead, right? Um, do prayer November instead. I mean, or in addition. Um, pray for your nuclear family. Now, some of you, you're going to have to discern what that is and be realistic because we're, we're, we're entering into this little by little. But pray boldly that God would reveal himself to your family. Pray boldly for the people in your family that God would use them. Be brave. Be courageous. And pray for them every day. You might need to set yourself a... Um, a reminder of some sort. And citywide in February, we're going to invite people to use a tool that I'm going to invite you to use for your family in November. Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, right? First Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people will humble themselves and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways and pray, right? So one way you might just prompt yourself is to, is to use your phone or your watch or set an alarm for 7.14. Um, and, and at 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening, just pray for your nuclear family, right? Pray believing prayers for your nuclear family. And then let's share stories along the way as God responds. And let me tell you where this is going. You're going to pray in November for your family, and then, and then your capacity for prayer is going to be expanded. It's going to be expanded. And, and in the, in the um, month of December, as, as your neighbors are starting to put up Christmas lights, as, as they're putting up Christmas trees, we're going to invite you to pray for, for, your, for a, a small number of your neighbors as well, five of your neighbors. And then just trust that God will give you an opportunity in that month of December to carol at their house or to invite them for cocoa or to spend some relational time to love them in Jesus' name. In the month of January, we're going to be praying for our congregations, 
We're going to be praying bold, courageous prayers for our congregations, plural. All of us are going to be doing this. And, and we're going to invite you and all of that to do the same. Pray for all of that community church and God's impact through our church for our, uh, our environments. And then, and then in, in um, February, from February 1st to, to March 1st, um, we are going to invite you to pray. We're going to, anyone who is courageous, and we'll do that, we're going to invite you to pray for 12 strangers. For 12 strangers, 12 people in our city. And, and we'll give you a couple tools to be able to bless them. But they won't ever know your name. They won't know um, that you're doing that. We're just going to pray courageously for every adult in Posey, Vanderburg, Warwick, and Henderson County. So um, let's begin. Let's begin by believing great things and using the month of, of November, a month when we think about family, a month when we're grateful for all that God has done to pray for our families. Is that fair enough? Pray with me right now, if you would. God, thank you for my sisters and brothers. Thank you that you have blessed them with resources beyond what they could ever ask or imagine. God, you have put at their uh, at their, the tip of their tongue, uh, God, all the power of eternity. And so we just pray that you would, um, God, uh, invite us into this prayer adventure. That, that without um, condemnation when we fall short or without um, pride in anything that we are, God, knowing that we are nothing apart from you, but everything with you, we want to pray for our nuclear families that, God, you would be glorified, that you would be honored that you would bless them and that, God, you might create a generations not of brokenness, but of righteousness. And so we love you, God, and enter into this adventure um, with joy, trusting that at the end of this month, we will see, God, the fruit of all that we have asked for. We love you, God, and enter this journey in Jesus' name. Amen. I think about Moses. Um, remember that he... He had three families that I can track with so far, four if you include his spiritual family. He, he had a nuclear family, but, but in that amazing uh, turn of events, when Pharaoh commanded that Moses be put to death, his family risked trusting God and gave him up, and God placed him in the household of the very man who condemned him to death. And for 40, day, for 40 years... Moses grew up a son of the man who had condemned him to death, a son of Pharaoh. Then as we saw uh, that as Moses um, began to sense God's call in his life, he, he uh, stepped out in, uh, and, and, and defended his people and ended up murdering uh, an Egyptian and, and fled for 40 years into the wilderness. But did you see, he's already had two families, right? Did you see what God did? He put him in another family, right? The family of Ruel or of Jethro, he's called both names. And, and, and God gave him for 40 years a Midianite family. He's had a Hebrew family. He's had an Egyptian family. Now he has a Midianite family. And, and at 80 years of old, he is blessed beyond measure. He's blessed beyond measure. He has children. He has, he has a job. He has people that love him. And wouldn't you know, uh, God intervenes again. Do you remember just a couple of weeks ago, God, God revealed himself to him in the burning bush. God, God called him and set him apart 
at 80 years of age for amazing adventure. Now, not to bless maybe 12 or 14 people in his nuclear family, but to set free 2 million people who are still in, in bondage. Wow. Well, let's pick up the story together, can we? I want to remind you a couple of truths that we emphasized last week, that we picked up on last week. God, and here's, here's where I'm going. I'm just going to tell you all my cards right up front, and, 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 and it's printed for you in the bulletin. Um, you, can, you can play video games or something if, if you'd prefer. Um, God demonstrates His glory and His power and His grace by calling ordinary people like you and me to extraordinary, extraordinary purposes. Okay? Now, you've you got to see this coming, beloved, right? Because we're not just talking about Moses. This is going to come right back at us, right? God uses ordinary people for His extraordinary purposes. Let's break that, that, that statement apart if we can. And I'll try and, and prove this to you from God's Word today. God demonstrates His glory. This is really where we were last week, right? God is great. Do you remember? Our God is holy and powerful and righteous and perfect in all His ways. And He revealed Himself to Moses that way. Take off your shoes, Moses. Do you remember? The ground that you're standing in is holy. Not because of the location geographically, but because I'm here. Because the living God is here. And we saw that God proved Himself holy. And we saw that God proved Himself faithful to Moses, right? And, and we're tempted then to place God on this this this. A transcendent throne and, and to believe that He couldn't possibly care about us, but we learned also that God is not only great and transcendent, but He's also good, right? At the very same time that He is displaying His glory, He knows and cares about the needs of His people and intervenes in their lives for their good. For their good. And, and, and the phrases in our passage last week that helped us understand it was God has seen the affliction of His people, right? And sometimes you're wondering, does God see the circumstances of my life? The affirmation over and over again in Scripture is yes. Yes. God sees your circumstances. God hears, God has heard their cry. God hears your cry as well, right? God knows God knows our suffering. And we're so tempted to say, well, God, if you know my suffering, why, why are you allowing it to continue? And we, we're called into this faith walk to believe that, that somehow um, the God who knows my suffering is working out His perfect plan to end it. We saw last week that God has remembered His covenant, right? And that God has come down. So Moses is encountering the living God in the burning bush right there. God has come down to deliver them, in particular to draw them out and to bring them up, our passage said last week. I'm going to use you, Moses, to draw them out and to bring them up. So God demonstrates His glory, a part of our, our, our statement of faith today. But also God calls ordinary people, right? In verse 10 of chapter 3, Come, I will send you, that you, Moses, may bring them out. And again, again, our minds go to, well, Moses wasn't an ordinary person. This is Moses, right? But what makes Moses, Moses, right? What makes him that? At this point, 
He is 80 years old and he's shepherding sheep on the backside of the desert, right? Far from any, any position of power or influence. And, and, and he's, the, the scripture is very clear to say in, in his culture, which he had spent 40 years growing up in, he was doing what they despised. He was doing the lowest job that there was for an Egyptian. He was shepherding sheep. And we saw last week that, that Moses, who might have been tempted to think that he was somebody, discovered that he was nobody. I'm so grateful for that. Are there any nobodies here today? Yeah. Yeah, right? There's nothing in me that makes me worthy of the calling of God on my life. I'm nobody. I'm a, a flower quickly fading. I'm, I'm a vapor in the wind, right? I am, I am nothing, nothing that, that God should take notice of me. And, and, and that's where God says, oh, that's the kind of person I can use, right? That's the kind of person I can use. So, so at 80 years of age, God reaffirms his sovereign purpose. It's been sovereign the whole time in his life. And Moses jumped the gun a little bit. He was, could not wait on God's perfect timing, but, but God has had his hand on this person, his whole life, this ordinary person, right? Come, Moses. Come, Dave, right? Come, Andrew. Come, Mike. I will send you. I am sending you. Right? So again, last week we saw Moses' first question is, Who am I? I'm nobody. God, that you would choose me or send me. Right? And if the question sounds familiar to you, if it sounded familiar when you heard it last week, it's because it's the same question that was asked of Moses when he tried to intervene with the two Hebrews. Right? He murders the Egyptians. The next day he sees... A wicked Hebrew and another, uh, beaten up on another Hebrew and, and, and he intervenes and the guy says, who are you? Who are you, right? So, so, if it sounds familiar, it's because that's what, that's what everybody has been saying. Who are you? The world will say that to you. Who are you? That, that you should, should even pretend that God wants to use you, right? And we just affirmed those truths that we've been anchoring ourselves in over and over and over again. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. And no other identity is greater than that one. None of your temporary identities are greater than that one. You are God's child. And beyond that, you're God's chosen, right? You are chosen of God as well. And what's true for Moses is true, beloved, for you and for me as well. Moses says, who am I? And God says, it's not about who you are. It's about who I am. I will be with you, right? I will be with you. There's even an emphasis on it. We could translate it easily. I will certainly be with you, right? And, and, and his answer, God's answer, depends on its value, not for who Moses is, but for who God is, right? What matters is that God is present. What matters is that God is willing to intervene. What matters is that God is able to act, right? So God uses ordinary people. 
No, but He uses them. He gives our lives extraordinary purpose. Extraordinary purpose. Do you see how when, when you, you're captive to that thought process that says, who am I? I'm nothing. You don't realize that what God wants to do through you is extraordinary things. Extraordinary. Let's just think about this praying for our families. Well, that's just like what we should do, right? Um, we pray before we eat at a meal, and, and we should pray for our family. Now, I'm asking you to pray bold prayers. I'm asking you to believe bold things for your family. I'm asking you to boldly approach the throne of grace and to cry out for the things that you know that God wants for your precious family, right? Be brave. Be bold. Step out in faith. God's going to do extraordinary things through you. But look at Moses' second question now. His first one is, who am I, right? But then he says, okay, but what shall I say to them, God? In fact, he says very more specifically, who shall I say is sending me, right? You've told me to go to your people. Whom shall I say is sending me? So if the first question was, was who am I? The second question really is, who are you? It begs a lot of questions. And I have to tell you, I do all kinds of theological gymnastics trying to wrap my brain around these questions. But, but it had been, and, and, and I'm going to say something that I'm not going to back up, but I would love to talk with you more. It had been 400 years, 430 in particular years, since God revealed himself to Abraham, since this whole promise began, right? And many of those years had been very tough years. In fact, probably a couple of generations had been very, very tough years that they were suffering, that they were being persecuted, right? And, 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 so, and so for, for, for Moses to come and say, God is sending me, the God, remember how he announced himself, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of, of Jacob, Depending on how you do the math, this kept me up last night until all hours, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful when it came together, but but depending on on how you understand and and do the math, it had been at least three generations, right? It's easy. We've seen in our own families that that faith can be lost in one generation, right? If, if we don't pass this on, uh, we're one generation from extinction, right? And they had been at least three and, and, and maybe more generations from the last of the patriarchs, right? And, and so it's very, easy, it's very easy to conceive that they didn't know who this guy was. This is like the family God, right? And there hadn't been an intimate relationship. And, and, and Moses says, how, how am I going to explain you to them? I, I, I can't just go and say, the God of your fathers, right? That was a long time ago. This is now. Who is God to them now? And did you hear God's answer to them? I, I, it's, it's almost untranslatable, right? It probably was printed in, in your Bible. God says, and, and you can hear Moses say, well, whom shall I send? And God stops him and says, I am that I am, right? And that's the best we can do in English. Um, it probably is closer to this. I be who I be. But if you, if you say that, they'll think you're from, well, south of our border, right? Okay. I had to, I ha, I'm sorry, I had to go there. Okay. So, um, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. 
A guy in blue just came in the back door. I think he's coming for me. So, <laughs> Kentucky blue. I be who I be, or Popeyes. I am what I am, right? Um, it doesn't make sense, but God is putting down the definition, the self-defining moment, the self-defining moment. I, it doesn't matter who you are. It, what matters is who I am. And then he said, try this, Moses. I'm, I'm stopping for a second. My mind's racing. What does that mean? I be who I be. It means I, who I was. Then who I am now and who I will be in the future will always be the same. Let's press pause. Turn with me. Do you have your Bibles or your phones? Turn with me to Revelation for just a second. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. And this is only one of the many places where this happens. I should have marked this. In Revelation chapter 1, John is having just this astounding vision, right, of, of Jesus Christ and he tells us exactly what Jesus says in verse 8 of Revelation. I'm sorry, Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And so if you turn to the back, you'll see it. And then you, 1 is the chapter, and 8 is the little number, the little verse within that chapter. Um, uh, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He says, I'm the A and I'm the Z. Long before Amazon had their little logo with the smiley face thing pointing, long before that, Jesus said, I am the A and the Z. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God. Look at this. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I am, I am, says God. So this is just an astounding moment that doesn't translate well then, and it doesn't translate well now. Moses says, whom shall I say is sending me? Tell them I am is sending you, right? Tell them I am. And we know that that, that name, that first person now name, I am, is the, is the word Yahweh. Tell them Yahweh sent you. Now, we've seen Yahweh already. It's translated in your Bible as capital L, then small caps O-R-D, because of that convention from about the, oh gosh, it must have been the 6th century before Christ, that they, in order not to break the Ten Commandments, right? And, and the Third Commandment in particular, excuse me, yeah, the Third Commandment in particular, they, they refused to even name the name. They just used the letters. They called it the Tetragram and the four letters. They, they use that to describe him, but God never told them to do that. He didn't say build a hedge of protection around my name. He says, just don't use my name in vain, right? And here, God gives, God gives Moses his personal name, Yahweh. Now Moses, who we believe wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy later, Goes back and puts that name in earlier, but this year, you're in the front row seat when, when Moses is, is discovering, he's being told the very personal name of God. We've done this before, but have you ever gotten mail that, that, um, said Mr. Davida Michelle or something like that, right? And, and I don't feel particularly close when someone calls me Davida Michelle. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that they're probably a telemarketer in a foreign country, right? And, and they don't really know me. And so, um, not knowing my personal name, I don't give it a lot of 
Ooh, I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't want to, I don't give it a lot of, uh, of credence, right? Yeah, I know, I can't help myself. If, if someone says to me, um, ah, I can't believe I'm doing this. If someone says to me, David, Michael, Monkey, Mills, they got my full attention, right? I shared with you before, if they call me Big Wave Dave, I know that they were in my middle school class, 1973. If they call me David Michael Monkey Mills, then I know that that's an amazingly intimate name that my parents called me. When I had a little stuffed monkey, I called Maki, right? And, 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 and that intimacy of that name means, means I, will, I will pay attention. I will know this is very personal and this is very important. Don't misuse the name of monkey, okay? It's like the 11th commandment. Do not misuse the name of monkey. Um, You use the name Yahweh. You use the name Jesus. How did you put it, Bill? All eternity snaps to attention. Is that you, you that told me that the first time? All eternity snaps to attention, right? Um... God has given Moses and, and by the same token, you, his, his name that you call on. Tell them Yahweh. Tell them I am sent to you, right? Do you see what's happening? Moses, Moses has been given the very name of God and that name of God is sending him and giving. Remember, what shall I say to them? And giving them his word giving them the very words of God, right? Now, you should see this coming, beloved, because it's going to come right back at us, right? Moses, God has given us the name of His Son, Jesus, right? And has given us the very word and wisdom of God. And and we don't take ourselves too seriously. Moses was just a mouthpiece of God, right? This is God's word. This is God's work, right? Moses is simply God's ambassador, he has no authority, no, no prestige, no power of his own. He's simply God's man accomplishing God's work for the good of God's people. All for God's glory. So this is my premise. Don't worry if you didn't catch that because I'm coming right back at you. Here's my premise. You, you are God's man or woman accomplishing God's work for the good of God's people, all for God's glory. Do you believe me? Am I just making this stuff up? I know it's a little bit of a leap here, but I'm going to back this up in the next couple minutes. It's a little bit of a leap here. He's saying, that was Moses. I am not Moses. And, And by the way, I've spent quite a bit of my life doing that. Saying, God, I'm not the person that you think I am. I'm not a a, a spiritual leader, God. I'm not Moses. Send somebody else. We're going to see that next week. Send somebody else, right? But God says, no, Dave. You are my man. You are God's woman. You are God's man. Accomplishing God's work for the good of God's people and all for God's glory. Well, I'm guessing that your response is going to be just like Moses. Uh, and that's why this, the word is here for us, right? We can live into this word. But I'm a nobody, right? I'm a nobody. But God is with me. Would you say that? I'm a nobody. 
yes. Oh, my goodness. There's so many parallels in, in all of Scripture, but Isaiah especially. Isaiah 41 and 42 and 43 are some of the most intimate communications of God with, with his servant, Isaiah. And so much of it comes back at me. Let me just give you one measly little verse out of those three beautiful chapters. Fear not, God says, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am, see it? I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Wow. Don't say I'm a nobody when God is with you, right? You might say with Moses, I don't have any wisdom. Who am I that I would say something that would change somebody's life? But God has sent me into this world with the unchanging truth of His Word. Would you say that last sentence with me? But God has sent me, I don't hear you, but God has sent me into this world with the unchanging truth of His Word. Isaiah 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that for which I purpose. Do you see this? I called you and I have an extraordinary purpose for your life. That which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing which I sent it. Isaiah 5, 10 through 11. I'm a nobody, but God is with me. I don't have any wisdom, but God has given me his word. But I have, I have no authority, right? Heaven's not going to snap to attention at my name. I can't even get my dog to obey me, right? Uh, heaven, heaven's not going to respond. But Jesus has all the authority in heaven and earth. Amen? Yeah, and he has commissioned me. Would you say that last sentence with me? But Jesus has all the authority in heaven and earth and has commissioned me. And we've looked at it extensively. We're going to look at it a thousand more times before the Lord comes, should he tarry. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, yes, but teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Here it is again. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You may not be called to, in, in a few months' time, deliver two million people out of bondage, but, oh, you are called. You're called to make disciples who make disciples, right? And, and, and truth be told, should the Lord tarry and you're faithful in God's calling in your life, whether that's the disciples that, that, that sit at your feet or, or the disciples that God places around you in your workplace or your neighborhood, truth be told, should the Lord tarry, it might be much larger than two million people that are affected because of your faithfulness, because of your trust, because of your obedience. Dave, I don't have this power, right? I don't have this power. God has filled you with His Holy Spirit and He's called you 
to be His witness. Acts 1.8, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, in your home, in all Judea and Samaria, the places like you, the places unlike you, even to the very ends of the earth. I can't tell you how much fun it is to be talking with your son and daughter-in-law, Kim and Doug. Uh, we meet together weekly and, and to be studying God's Word together. And, and they've gathered a couple of other missionaries in southern France and, and, and we're opening God's Word together. And another pastor uh, here in town who's in that study, he, he says, it is so cool that you're doing this. And they go, we have no idea what we're doing. And that's okay. That's okay. You went. You did what God asked you to do. And, and Jake and Hannah... Are, are no different than you or me, right? Sean and Lisa are no different than you or me. They're just trying to find out what's your purpose for my life, God. And, and when I find it, when you speak, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into it. I'm going to live into it. We're all, we're all called to serve Jesus, to fulfill our extraordinary purpose. So what, what, what are the faith lessons that we can draw from this second question today? Whom shall I say sent me, right? Questions are good. We're going to hit three more questions, at least, of Moses in the next couple of weeks. Questions are good. Do you hear that? Do you understand that? That it is not doubtful to, um, to have questions. And, and unfortunately, we've kind of created a culture here and other places in the United States where, where questions are wrong. I might have these questions, but I'm not going to verbalize them. No, God, God is never afraid of questions. You see how patiently, how patiently he's working with Moses? That patience is going to run out in a few more questions, but, but, but questions are good, right? When we respond to God's answers in faith, don't ask a question if you don't want an answer, right? And when he gives you an answer, put it into practice, right? Questions are good, but you can hide behind your questions and refuse to obey what God says. And, and if and when that happens, there's consequences. I'm getting way ahead of, how did you say it, Sean? I'm getting ahead of my skis. I love that imagery. I'm way out in front of my skis. I'm flying in midair here, but, but we're going to see that, that, God's anger eventually burns against Moses because he kept stalling with the questions and refused to, answer, refused to put his answers into practice. But let me put another um, poignant note on this here. Um, remember what's happening while Moses is asking all these questions, right? Every day, his people are dying in Egypt. And, and every day, well, ooh, gosh, this is going to sound stronger than I want to say. Every day while we dilly-dally around, not believing God and not putting His Word into practice, there are people who are entering a Christless eternity, right? There are people who are suffering from hunger and, and, and from homelessness. There are people in need while we're trying to figure out uh, whether we have the courage, wow, whether we have the courage to, to believe God and put it into practice. There's a consequence. There's a consequence for people who don't yet know Him, Okay? So don't rehearse with God your fears. God knows your fears. But rather respond to God in faith, okay? Even, even a baby step, even 
Even I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pray for my family, God, this week. I'm I'm not a Moses. I don't have his vision for delivering all these people. Um, but but I know you've called me to love and lead my family. And that might be even uh, beloved. Uh, you might be a student in the family, right? I'm not just talking to moms and dads here. I'm talking to everybody. Um, when I began praying these kinds of prayers, my father was not a follower of Jesus, right? Um, um, pray. It might even mean something as simple as saying, I'll step into God's obedience. So how can you respond? First of all, do not miss this, because you can sometimes we jump the gun and start putting stuff into practice when we haven't anchored the very core values. Believe in God, Jesus said. How did he put it in John 14? Believe in God. Believe also in me, right? You've got to believe that God exists and you've got to believe that Jesus Christ is now our version of the burning bush. Jesus Christ has come down and made himself flesh and has revealed himself to you just like God revealed himself uh, to Moses through the burning bush. Believe in God, but then listen to him. Listen, when God speaks, and I know that that's a leap for many of you in the room right now. That's a leap right now. Just, just borrow it for a second to believe that this might be the very Word of God. You will not understand it. I've been doing this 45 years or whatever, and, and, and like last night, I'm getting revelations on a regular basis. God is greater than anything I could ask or imagine. And it's true for His Word, too. But just risk believing that it might be true and put it into practice and watch what God does. Listen to God. Listen to Him. Focus on His Word. That's the reliable way you can know. Is this God speaking? If it's coming from His Word, I'm... Listen, focus on it. But then, and I I had to correct myself this morning as I was doing the last minute notes, talk with God. I had talked to God. Most of us are pretty good at talking to God. We're not very good at talking with God. Talk with Him. Say, God, what do you see? What do you see when you look at me? God, what do you see when you look at my family? What are you doing, God? What are you doing in my family, in my neighborhood, in my city? How can I join you, God, in what you are doing? Talk with him. That's going to mean that there's extended periods of time where you just listen. That's what I'm so grateful for. For the, it's not. A, it's just a tool. It's not a be all and end all. But I'm so grateful for the for the prayer wheel because it. it forces me to stop for five minutes at a time and just listen. It forces me to walk through every aspect of an intimate relationship with God. Talk with God. Multiply. Most of you have already filled this out. Multiply extraordinary prayers, both in the sense of of believing and bold prayers for the people that God has called you to pray for, but also in the sense of just one step beyond ordinary. Just just move one step beyond where you are in deeper intimacy with God and, and believe that that will become your new ordinary. And if God, if God would allow, take a baby step. Add one more step of faith to your journey. Pray every day in November for your nuclear family. Let me put that differently. Ask God if, if you should pray for your nuclear family, right? 
And the reason I'm putting it this way is because some of you might be, God might direct you to a different, Moses had three families. He might direct you to a different place that he wants you to pray. But then do it. Take a baby step of faith and let's tell stories. Let's tell stories of what um, God has done. Uh, Shauna Lee, were you uh, asking God uh, for something last weekend? Did you pray faithfully last weekend for your family? Did God answer? Absolutely. Absolutely. Pray with me, would you? And forgive us, God, and forgive me. Let me just speak for myself. Forgive me for the times when um, I see stories of your disciples or of, of your faithful uh, witnesses, Abraham and Sarah, God, Deborah and, and Joshua, Jesus, even God, and I say, I could never do that. I could never do that. And I, and I forget, God, that, that, that these were ordinary people, right? These were, these were people that put their pants on just like I do. These were, these were ordinary people whom you did astounding things through. Oh God, expand our faith, would you? Beyond, small boundaries of ourselves and our minds, God, cast, if you would, such a vision of your glory, God, and, and our ability to meet you there. That God, not only would we say there's no one like our God, but God, whether the people respond to us or not, the world would say there's no one like their God. We love you, God. And we just invite you to take away our fears. We invite you, God, to deepen our faith. We invite you, God, to speak into our questions and show us, God, how we can bring you glory. Thank you. Thank you that it's about you. There is no one like you. I worship you and praise you, God. In Jesus' name.